Can you imagine being in a place of worship? Living in an area where also in that area there are those who do not share a common belief in your God. Can you imagine being in a place of worship where you come together with those who share with you this common faith in order to offer to God the most sincere expressions of your heart and your soul, only at some point for the doors to open and someone to come in, individuals who are coming to do harm, to to hurt, to damage, to destroy, to discourage. Individuals whose very intent is either to cause you to deny your faith or their intent is to kill you. Can you imagine such a thing? the first century in Asia Minor, Christians lived like that. Are we going to count it such a strange thing today? If God-fearers and God-believers are surrounded by those who not only are unbelievers but are hostile to those who have faith. So in the first chapter of John's revelation, as he has been chosen by God to be the human instrument with the pen who's going to scribe the words that are being revealed to him, he's going to tell us about the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty, Lord Sabaoth, Lord of hosts. He's walking in the midst of his churches. He's clothed with a garment down to his feet bound together with this golden sash. His hair is white, white as snow. His countenance is glowing. His feet like burnished brass, his eyes like a flame of fire. That's our class this evening, I couldn't resist it. But I'm saying to you this morning, That in the context of the persecution that was being brought on these early Christians, John, as he beholds this first vision, he falls down at the feet of the Lord, terrified for his life. And the first words out of the mouth of the Lord was this. Don't be afraid. He's not just saying that to John. He's saying that to those Christians 
scattered throughout Asia Minor who are on the receiving end of some very, very difficult circumstances. It was a dark time spiritually for God's people. They, they didn't know what was going to happen to them. They really had no idea how this was all going to turn out. It didn't look good. As a matter of fact, as, as the years were passing, things were getting worse. And they prayed. And they believed. And they worshipped. And they were dying. And Jesus, as he gives John the message for his people, starts out with the very first words from his mouth. Don't be afraid. We're living in the context of, of a culture that is fear-driven. So many of the things that happen in our culture are motivated by fear. So much of the behavior is motivated by fear. And so much of the, of the manipulation that's going on in our culture is taking place in the context of fear. There, there is a real sense in which God's people ought to have some resilience here. We, we ought to be a people who have an advantage in, in dealing with the reality that that is around us, Jesus, Jesus over and over again in, in his discussions with his disciples, he told them, fear not, don't be afraid. The, the problem is, Jesus said, you're, you're, living, you're living in the context of a world that is afraid of all the wrong things. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so he wanted them to know from the very outset that, that fear is for unbelievers. It's not for God's people. Fear belongs to unbelievers, for those who don't know God, for those who don't understand who God is. One of the things that I hope you're going to appreciate from the first chapter of the Revelation, as we look at that this evening, is that it was absolutely fundamental in the mind of God that his people understand who he is. That, that if we're going to bow our knee to the Lord Jesus, if we're going to live for him, if we're going to die for him, if we're going to worship him and not the one who is demanding that the Roman Senate pass a law that he must be addressed formally as Lord God Augustus and that knees must bow to him and his image. I, I'm saying to you, Jesus, when he's introducing himself to the churches of Asia, he is reminding them, I am the Lord God of all. 
You need to understand, I'm in charge here. I am the one who is, who was, who is to come. I've got this. You need to stay with me. Well, Jesus, when he was calling his disciples to him, he said, you know, <clears throat> you're living in a world where people are afraid of everything. They, 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 are, they just live in fear, constant fear, constant concern, constant worry, constant anxiety about life. They're just everything, everything is so, so dark. Everything is, is such a mystery. Everything is, just creates stress, so much stress, so much anxiety. Jesus said, don't live like that. That belongs to Gentiles. That belongs to people that don't know God. That belongs to people that don't get it. And so he said, look, I'm telling you, verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, I'm telling you, do not be anxious for your life. Don't be afraid. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than raiment? And then in verse 31. Do you see it again? Well, okay, look, let's just go through. Are you marking in your Bibles? I see some of you are. Look in verse 27. He says it again. And which of you, by being anxious, by being afraid, which of you is going to change life that way? How'd that work out for you? You worried and worried and worried. Because your hair is turning gray. Both of them. Uh, how'd that work out for you? Didn't change a thing. And then he says in verse 28, And why are you anxious? And then he says in verse 31, be not therefore anxious. Don't be afraid. And then he said it in verse 34 again. Don't be afraid for tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be. So turn over to Luke chapter 12. The multitudes were gathering together. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered up that shall not be revealed and hidden, that shall not be made known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have said in the darkness shall be heard in the light. What ye have spoken in the ear of the inner chamber shall be proclaimed upon the house of Jesus. Said, Don't... Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious about all of this. Don't be careful, but understand something. Nobody's getting away with anything. Oh, they're doing this. They're doing this. It's terrible. It, nothing's happened. They're getting away with it because nobody understands. Nobody knows. They're, they're doing this behind the scenes. It's secret. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't been exposed yet. Let me tell you something. God knows every bit of that. He knows every bit of it. And Jesus said in verse 4, And I say unto you, I say unto you, my friends, 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them that kill the body. After that, they have no more they can do to you. It's done. Now what are they going to do? Now who are they going to persecute? Now how are they going to deal with their fear? Because they thought you were the source of their fear. They kill you. They're still afraid. Jesus said, don't, don't be afraid of those that can just kill the body. That's, he said in verse 7, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. You're more value than the sparrows. God takes care of the birds. He can take care of you, big boy. Don't be afraid. Look, look at verse 11. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be afraid. Look at verse 22. After he's told that the one comes to him saying, uh, Teacher, you know, parents died, fuss over the inheritance. That's never happened before, but theoretically. And it comes to Jesus and he says, Tell my brother to be fair, to divide the inheritance. Give me my fair share. And Jesus said, You're all anxious and worked up and fearful about the wrong thing here. And so he said in verse 22, Therefore I say unto you, Don't be afraid for your life. And what does he say in verse 26 and verse 25? Which of you, by being anxious, by being afraid, by being stressed, is going to add a cubit to the measure of his life? Is going to change anything with that. Verse 26, if you're not able to do even that which is least, then why are you anxious and stressed and fearful about the rest of Don't you understand, Jesus said, the smallest things in life you don't control. If you can figure that out, why are you sitting around worrying about controlling things that are much bigger than that? You're not in charge here. God has not resigned and left you in charge. That, that has not happened. And so, look at verse 29. And do not seek what you shall eat, what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Look at verse 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the king. I want to ask you something. Why did Jesus, it seems like almost every other breath, why was he saying, don't be afraid? You think they might have been afraid? You think that might have been a common reaction and response to the issues of life? And Jesus is saying to them, no, you're different. You've got a huge advantage over the Gentiles who don't know God, who don't understand. This. Fear is for those who don't know God. Fear is for those who are not walking with God. Fear is for those who think 
That everything in life is dependent on them, everything in life is up to them, and everything in life is going to be controlled by them. It's just not, Jesus said. And furthermore, you need to understand something. <laughs> the, the things that you're most fearful of are not the worst things. You're, you're afraid of the wrong thing. Some anxiety in life is irrational. I, I put some on that. I've thought about this a lot as I was working on this. I was just going to say anxiety is irrational. Some anxiety, I, and I mean by that, there is such a thing as legitimate concern, normal concern. Have you ever been, been in a situation where you were about to jump into a pool of cold water and you were afraid? Not afraid of the water. Afraid it's going to be cold. Guess what? It is going to be cold. That's an anxiety, that's a momentary anxiety that's normal. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Or, have you ever been watching it as the snow was falling and then there was about half an inch and you were getting a dusting on the ground and on the roads and then there was about an inch and then two inches and three inches and somebody says, I'm afraid those roads are going to get slick. Yeah, that's a normal concern. That is a legitimate concern. about When Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, that's really not what he was talking about. Jesus was talking about the, fundamental, the fundamentals of life and the stress that goes along with things that we don't control and things that, that we have no part in and things that are irrational for us to be stressing ourselves over as if this is our decision or our call or, or uh, ultimately is going to be our responsibility uh, to either deal with it or, or, or to fix it or to be swallowed up by it. Jesus said, have you ever looked at the world around you? When you wake up in the morning, do you wake up in the morning thinking about how am I going to feed all the birds today? I fed them yesterday. I'm telling you, we went through so many worms and so much grain. I just, I don't know if I have enough worms left for today. You don't think that. You don't think that. And Jesus said, don't you understand that God knows how to take care of his creation? He made all of this. And if he can take care of the birds, and, and if God can clothe the grass of the field, don't you think that God can take care of the apex of the pinnacle of his creation? The only one of his creation that is made in his own image? If God gives care to the least of his creation, don't you think that God is going to take care of the highest point of his creation. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Where are you? What, what are you thinking in, in all of this? And so the Apostle Paul, as he was writing to Christians, he, he said to them, and writing to the Philippians, in nothing be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in 
Christ Jesus. In nothing be anxious. Don't be afraid. God didn't say, you should never be sad in life. I remember if I read correctly in John the 11th chapter, Jesus not only was sad in life, he wept. God didn't say life would never be sad. God didn't say, don't worry about working or, or, or taking care of your family. God's just going to, God's going to provide everything. You just stay at home and watch TV. No, God said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't, he, you, you get out there and work. But God said, I, I want to tell you something. This is life as I have established it, and this is how it works. This is what you do. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of it. And so Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. You take it to God in prayer. And then he said, brethren, you want to get fixated on something? Then fixate on this, the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Think on these things. The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me. But you remember what the last phrase in that verse says? And the God of Peace shall be with you. The truth of the matter is, faith is what helps us to overcome our fear. When Jesus is saying to them, don't be afraid. When he gives John this vision in the Revelation, and he presents himself, he's introducing himself as the ruler of the world. Do you know what he wants his people to do. He wants them to believe him. Believe in me. I am the living one, the firstborn from the dead, the alpha and the omega, the one who is and was and is to come. I've got this, Jesus said. You need to believe me. You need to trust me. And then you need to let me take care of this. In Daniel chapter 3, when those three boys were standing before a pagan political authority who was threatening not just to harm them, but to put them to the death for their faith in God, they said to him, Our God is able. And they said to him, He will deliver us. And, and, and John, the 11th chapter, when, when Jesus, uh, after, after four days, uh, arrives at the town of Bethany where Mary and Martha are living and Lazarus has been buried now for four days, and, and they come. 
And Martha says to him, Lord, if you had just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, you'll see him again. Oh, I, I, he'll live again. I know, I, oh yeah, I know in the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And do you remember the next thing he said to her? I am the resurrection and the life. And then he said, do you believe this? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I fear sometimes. I fear that if we're not careful, we become a people who can recite all of the words intellectually. But spiritually, in the depth and conviction of our hearts, we struggle. Jesus said, don't just say, yeah, I know I'm the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this or not? Do you believe it or not? And if you do, act like it. Live like it. That was his point. That was his point. I tell you, if there's a verse that ought to be emblazoned on our hearts, on our foreheads, and one that we ought to carry with us everywhere, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, the promise of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? The Lord is my helper. I am not going to be afraid. What can people do to me? And Jesus said, what can they do to you? Kill you? Don't be afraid of that. You'd be afraid of the one who can destroy both your body and your soul. You have a reverent fear for God. And so, I remind you this morning, in the world in which we live, we're surrounded by darkness and death and hatred and evil. We're, we're surrounded by those that pretend to know God. We're surrounded by those who make no profession of knowing God. And so it's been for 2,000 years for the people of God. And the repetitive word of the Lord has always been the same. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about life. Don't be afraid about death. I'll tell you what makes Christians an absolute enigma to the world around us. It's when they see the fiery tribulations that come upon, and the faith is resilient. It's when they see the, the fear-mongering and the intimidation tactics that, that are so popular and that are used so widely, and Christians are just walking with their heads lifted up, their eyes forward. It's like, what? Peter said, be ready always to give answer to every man who ask you a reason concerning the hope that lies within you. 
I'm telling you, folks, we live like that, people will notice. We live like that, people will ask. We live like that, we're pleasing to God. Don't be afraid. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it or not? And so this morning, as we extend the invitation of the Lord, I just remind you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who died on Calvary for our sins, he died on a Friday, a very dark day. The disciples ran away. He was beaten. People lied about him. They maligned his character. They accused him of things that were not true. Sound familiar? It's the same tactics that for 2,000 years have been going on and going on and going on. He was beaten severely. He was taken outside of the city. He was nailed to a Roman cross. His mother and other women standing there crying, crying and crying. His disciples, who found their courage, standing nearby. And they heard him when he lifted up his voice. And he said, it's finished. And it was dark for the space of three hours. I'm saying to every one here, about noon on that Friday, it seemed pretty clear. It seemed pretty clear in the darkness of that moment that evil had won. But that was Friday. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. The tomb was empty. And everything changed and the gospel was proclaimed and the world has never been the same. And I'm saying to you, Jesus told his disciples over and over again, what are you afraid of? Don't be afraid. Put your trust and confidence in me. In this world you may have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Aren't you glad that we are bowing the knee to the Lord God of hosts, who is, who was, who lives forever, the one who has overcome all.
And it is the same Jesus who invites us, even now, to come to him and taste life. Do you believe me? Jesus said, do we? I hope you'll come while we stand and sing.